one constant through all the years, Ray. The ladies are digging my sweet face. It's the Sexy Voice Show on Beyond the Game. <laughs> Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game. Oh, I hurt them so much. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. That is a career ender. Just like this show. Please clap. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome, friends, to this week's edition of the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. They're really great people. Give them a call. Find out for yourself, 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm your host for the next hour, Rick Benson. By my side is the show's producer, Zach Barletta, and also with us is the king of unreasonableness, Darren Metzger. What's up? And somehow we got the studio aligned where Zach sits off to my left, but I got to look at Darren straight on. <laughs> He's right across the table. From you me. set it up this way. It's your own fault. Guys, as we sit here this morning, Danny Willett. Danny Willett is the reigning Masters champion. Who? And Bryson DeChambeau is no longer an amateur golfer but as a card-carrying member of the PGA Tour, both men electrifying the tournament last weekend, though at different times. It was just, it was sort of perfect. As the first couple of days, you had the amateur right up there on the leaderboard, and he was so exciting to watch. And then as he fell away, Danny Willett moved up and just took, took well, I mean, it was the 16th hole before I think he finally took the lead. <laughs> but... I should have said this. I should have tweeted. I should have written it down. I should have gotten some sort of verification. But my wife and I are watching on Saturday and watching Danny Willett putt. I was like, man, if he can putt like this for the rest of the weekend, he's going to be okay. He's going to make up some ground. And I think he's got a shot. Did you watch any of the tournament? Not not much at all. And I, I hate myself for it because it's usually something I'm glued to the TV for. But this year I just found myself busy most of the time. I've been hearing how Jordan Spieth choked away the tournament. And I I saw highlights obviously on Sports Center and stuff, and Spieth did kind of just he had he, a bad hole. That, that's like a hole I could have I could have done better. Well, than see, that. that's the comment right there that is I've been hearing people say. Well, I could have done. I could have had forty seven on that hole. No, you couldn't have. Now picture playing with all that pressure. You have led round after round after round. For a couple years running now with the mm-hmm. Masters, you are getting on Sunday. You are now 10, 11, 12 holes with the lead. There's a lot of pressure on you. And, and I don't think people realize just how much also pressure there pressure, is. Especially golf. So when they say those comments, and those are the ones that I am talking about specifically, oh, I could have done that. Absolutely <laughs> not. I would have been – listen, when I get on a golf course – I see every inch of that golf course. I am all over <laughs> the your place. Money's worth. I am getting no. my money's worth. No, I'm saying I could have done what Spieth does because I do that every time I golf. There's always a hole that I do that on. And that's what makes these guys great and kind of where I'm bringing this to. The fact that the, those guys 
so rarely have a hole like he had, where where your what was it a quadruple bogey? It was epically bad. It was bad. I'm thinking I get that every other hole. <laughs> How good are these golfers that they rarely do that? And for a guy like Bryson DeChambeau, he was just so refreshing. One of the quotes I tweeted this out. I don't know if you saw it. One of his quotes when it was asked about playing in the Masters, he says, I've been saved by grace, so it doesn't matter. This is just another golf shot out here. I just admire his perspective on that. Now, he ended up fading away as I think most amateurs do. It's not the first time we've seen an amateur on the leaderboard uh, two or even three days into the tournament, but they have a tendency to fade away as he did. But I think you're going to see a lot more from him as a professional golfer. So let me ask you this. Are all Toronto Blue Jays fans losers or just the couple I saw the other night while I was watching the Yankees game? I'm watching the game and Brett Gardner chases a foul ball towards uh, left field. And he falls into the stands. He catches a ball and then falls into the stands. And I'm watching this one guy, fairly big guy, look like somebody's dead or something backs away and just sort of looks down as he falls down on what I assume is concrete. And they all just kind of separated and let him fall. And what was most notable about that for me was not only the poor sportsmanship. Come on, give the guy a break, kind of hold him up or maybe make his fall not so hard. I've seen Yankee-Red Sox games. Intense rivalry. The Red Sox fans were catching the Yankees when they were falling in the stands and vice versa. So I just found myself, am I crazy? Or have Toronto Blue Jays fans just lost themselves with a little bit of success that the team is having in recent years? I think that's what it is. You see that a lot. I know this sounds elitist because we're Yankee fans or whatever, but like you see with teams that have been bad for a long time and suddenly they're good, is they just revel in it and roll in it and just this is the kind of stuff that you see. Yeah, let them have it. They've been bad for years. You know what? If the Bills start winning all of a sudden and tearing it up, you know what I'm going to become? A really, really obnoxious Bills fan. So let them have it. <laughs> You're that already? <laughs> no, I'm a terrible Bills that fan. right as a fan to be obnoxious. And I don't think anybody should really be overly obnoxious. If anybody, my worst rival was falling into the stands and I had an opportunity to... Um, hold his fall so that he didn't fall so hardly. I, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Right, I, can, I can brace his fall. Yeah, that's, that's just what, what you do say. as a human being. It's right? good sportsmanship. It's what you do as a human being. Why do you get so obnoxious that you don't even do that for another person? i got to go back to you said you have to earn the right as a fan to be obnoxious. How do you do that? Isn't it the players on the field that are winning? What are you earning by sitting well, there and I'm watching? Saying. Nobody should really be obnoxious, but if anybody's going to be, at least you're a fan of somebody that, that wins has some success. <laughs> some, some history? Uh, yeah, some history of success, some some continued success. Not just, hey, we were successful 20-some years ago, and here we <laughs> are again, and we're going to enjoy our one or two or three years here. So New York State has finally approved MMA. I'm not. I'm Good not a big you, MMA State. fan. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. I, I'm aware of it, and I followed a little bit, but I'm not what I would say a fan. To me, it's it's brutal. It is really brutal. I, I mean, it it goes beyond the limits of sport for me to watch these guys. And I know there are people out there that listen that really enjoy that, and and that's fine. I'm not taking anything away from you. They're great, 
But why did it take New York State so long to approve MMA when every other state in the union had approved it? Especially when you got someplace like Madison Square Garden, which had been the mecca for boxing Mm -hmm. for years. The Golden Gloves boxing that they have in New York has been just a, a historic thing. I want to know what the people, the, the lawmakers in New York are actually doing. Isn't it your job to make New York better? Doesn't MMA bring in a ton of money? It creates jobs. I, it creates I, revenue. Wouldn't you approve this years ago? I Wait. don't know if what it brings in. It just seems like it's a natural fit for Madison Square Garden. I mm-hmm. understand they have an event already scheduled for November 12th. Mm-hmm. But my point is, what what changed? What is different now that finally got New York to say, Okay, this will come in, and it's got to be money, right? Yeah, yeah, they were they were offered more money, probably. I don't know. I wasn't in that meeting, but I'm just assuming. I think it's a fairly safe assumption. And speaking, what happened? What changed? The Sacramento Kings are finally rid of George Carl. I can't believe it took this long. That's my, why. What were you waiting for? <laughs> and I, I like George Carl. I think he's a good coach. Just wasn't fitting there. It it was a bad thing from the beginning. It mm-hmm. didn't work out, and. When he was so close to being fired back in January or February of this year, uh, and even before that, there was the thing with Marcus Cousins. And when isn't there a just, thing with him, though? It just wasn't a fit. So why now? What changed? And I, do you finally just get to the point where you're like, okay, that's enough. We got to move on. It just thought that's what makes that organization just so squirrely. Why wouldn't you have done this when you had the chance months ago? Because nothing's changed since. No. Nothing's different now. You should have done it then. I rarely am one to point at the coach and say he's the problem. But that roster's decently talented. They should be better than they are. And they weren't responding to Carl. I'm with you. You should have gotten rid of him a while back. Count your losses at that point. And mm-hmm. I agree. I, it's always the coach, it's always the manager who ends up falling on the sword because it's mm-hmm. easier to replace one guy than it is an entire team. I get it. And I do think George Carl is a good coach. But this was obviously not a good fit. No. It was a bad fit day two when <laughs> the team just it didn't fit. It wasn't mm-hmm. the right thing. And I just don't understand why sometimes teams will stick with it, almost like it's a prideful thing. I'm not going to make this change. I refuse to do it. I'm going to live with my mistake because I'm going to show at the end of the day that I was right. This whole thing will turn around. It rarely does. No. Fire the guy and get rid That's where I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's where I think the bills are with Rex Ryan. Listen, that ain't going to work. Move on. I know it's been a year. you got to get more than a year. Why? Why? This is what we're just talking about with George Carl. Why would you give him more than a year? It doesn't work. It's a bad fit. This was a mistake. Finish it now. In the Bills case, though, Rex Ryan's a defensive guy. He's going to figure that out. They have a good defense. It was it was a weird, awkward year that the Bills' defense was bad. For, for, for what? The first time since Jim Kelly was quarterback? Their there offense was fun to watch? There was so much talent on the offensive side, and he still can't figure it out. No, it was the defense's problem this year. It wasn't the offense. I understand. He took the the issue I have is he took like a top five defense and they finished like in the twenty something. He's gonna fix that. The same thing. Like he made it worse. I I don't. What back to the George Carl thing? Like I'm seeing rumors on Twitter about the Knicks being interested. Would you guys take him on the Knicks? Yeah, I would. I again, I think he's a good coach. If you if you get rid of Phil Jackson, I can't believe I just said that, but he's he's someone you're talking about. Hey, 
Basketball doesn't want the triangle anymore. No one is accepting it. It's too hard to run. People don't want it. It doesn't work nowadays. Stop trying to force the triangle down the Knicks' throat. You know, I heard, as long as you brought up the Knicks, and we weren't going to go here, but Carmelo Anthony wanting to have some say in the next coach and wanting more voice. Your time in New York is limited. Yeah, I think they should trade him if they could get, if he uh, will approve it, please get rid of him. To find out more about our show, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. There we have a full archives of past broadcasts and guest interviews. And while you're there, you can also support the program by purchasing a BTG t-shirt or coffee mug. And did you know that a portion of our airtime or production costs for Beyond the Game is paid for by financial support of our listeners? Well, you should. I've been trying to subtly slip that in here each week. And at our site, you can make a one-time donation or become a regular financial contributor. And, of course, we appreciate your support, whether that be financial, prayerful, or even just classic old attaboy, guys. Give our webmaster a thrill. Stop by our website, btgprogram.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and other social platforms like these at least two other people have done over the last three, four (laughs) months at BTG Program. Coming up today on the show, we'll break down the NHL playoffs. I've got some thoughts on LeBron James and his leadership styles. It'll be a bit of a stick and move type show as we have a lengthy list of items we want to move through giving you our opinion. And after all, that's why we have this radio show and why America tunes in week after week. That's coming up today on Beyond the Game. But before we go to break, let me just wish a very happy birthday to the show's biggest fan, my mom. My mother faithfully listens to the show at least once every couple of months. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. She listens regularly and loves the show. And where would we be without our mom? So happy birthday, mom. I love you. Thanks for joining us. Honored to have you along. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country. Best solution. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Town & Country has been in business for nearly three successful decades. They know how to get the job done. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown. Well, just about any place that you can pick up this radio station is a place Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country technicians are friendly, professional, and most important, knowledgeable. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't? Call Town & Country. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, you name it. Call Town & Country. Even raccoons and larger animals. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 585-426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. I've been telling you about McAfee's Remodeling Company on this show for a long time. They're family-owned and have been in business for nearly two decades. They're great for all your interior and exterior home remodeling needs, but they also do much more. McAfee's Remodeling is now proud to offer Hydro Garden Construction to help you become more self-sufficient by growing food in your own home year-round. And they are now proud to be offering skylights and light tunnel installation. Light tunnels bring more healthy, natural light into your home, allowing you to use less artificial light and save on electricity. So give McAfee's Remodeling a call at 585-402-1070. 
That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, Darren Metzger, and you. I think it was last Saturday that the Cleveland Cavaliers were playing and, and lost, by the way, to the Chicago Bulls. There was only a few ticks left on the clock, and the Cavs trailed by two. Kevin Love hits Matthew Dellavedova with a pass, who then throws up a wide-open three-point to try to win the game. Unfortunately for the Cavs, if the, the shot fell short, Cleveland had no chance to win the game at that point. No big deal, right? You win some, you lose some. At least you tried your best. The important thing is you had fun, all that stuff. No, 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 no. No, not for superstar LeBron James. It seems having fun is not the most important thing, and I don't think he cares if Della Vadova tried his best. LeBron said that considering the way he was shooting, he would like to have had Della Vadova make one more pass get him the ball so that it could be James himself who attempted the three-point to win the game. Now look, no doubt that LeBron James has earned the right to be that go-to guy at the end of a game. But for crying out loud, he's not the only guy on the floor. Della Vadova had a good shot at the basket. It was a wide-open shot. I mean, I think he's paid to play too, right? Yeah, you're he's wide open, pro- you take it. LeBron had shot four for five from behind the arc. He was 13 for 17 overall. That's a nice night. I get it. But it's not exactly lights out, is it? I mean, it's close, but it's not exactly. I mean, he did miss a couple. In contrast, Del Vadova was only one for five overall, and prior to that game-winning attempt, he was one for four. So I, I get what LeBron is saying. You can see his point. But again, I remind you, that it was a wide-open look that Della Vadova had, and he is a professional basketball player. And for those keeping track at home, and I know, Darren, you've mentioned this a couple of times, and it might be worth pointing out that James is shooting less than 30% from three-point range this year. Yeah. Furthermore, Della Vadova was positioned, calling for the ball while LeBron was not, and in fact, he was backpedaling, trying to get behind the three-point line. I understand that LeBron is your guy. He's the guy you want taking the shot at the end of the game, right? That's who you want. You want the ball in his hands. But that is if he is in position and if he has a shot to take. There are times he has to trust the players around him. And that's the trouble with LeBron. Let's not forget that it was just last year's playoffs when in a game four with the score tied, the Cavs are looking at the possibility of being 3-1 down in the, in, in the series. James made the decision to override Coach David Blatt's play call, which allowed him to take that game-winning shot. Now, it worked out for LeBron. He made it. And obviously, it didn't work out so well for Blatt in the long run. By the way, in that game, at the time, LeBron had missed 20 of his 29 field goals. But he overrode the decision. He took the shot. You know, I... Worth mentioning, and I'm not excusing what LeBron did, but remember early in his career, I, I remember one game in particular, he had a wide open shot. Well, not wide open, but he was open to win the game. He could have taken the game winner, and he passed it to a wide open Danielle Marshall, 
who missed the game winner. And he got crushed for that. And he did it a few other times, and he got crushed for that. And he'd come out and say, oh, I have to, I have to trust my teammates. I want to know what happened. What, what, we're seeing a different LeBron now. Why is he not trusting his teammates anymore? Here's the deal. LeBron saying publicly how he would have preferred that he take the shot. Man, that's terrible leadership, isn't it? It is. It's horrible. What is that saying to your guy? You're not giving Delavadova any confidence there at all. I'm certain he did not intend to miss the shot and let his team lose the game. It's, isn't it sort of a side shot that LeBron is taking here? And it's just that's poor leadership. That's not what a leader does. A leader builds his guys up, not tears them down. Not publicly, anyhow. He could have taken Delavadova to the side, maybe all alone and discussed the play. And maybe he did that. I have no idea. But if he did do that, talking about it to other people afterwards sort of just nullifies the fact that he did. It nullifies your good leadership that he may have showed earlier. Take the guy to the side. Ask him what he saw. Ask him what his reasons for taking the shot were. Why perhaps he didn't make one more pass to get it into LeBron's hands. But as you mentioned, Darren, such comments from the leader of the team doesn't do a whole lot for Delavadova's confidence. No. Or anyone else's for that matter. Because if you now, are you going to take the next shot? Probably not. I'm just going to pass it LeBron because I don't want to deal with that. Well, at some point, Cleveland might need these guys to take a key shot. And will they? Or will they be hesitant? Will other guys hesitate, not wanting LeBron to call them out the way he did Delavadova? A good leader knows that at times you have to let people around you do things. Oftentimes churches lack volunteers because they never give them opportunities to do something. And when they do, they overly criticize how it was done afterwards. They end up going down the road and finding someplace else that will let them serve. They find another church that will let them get involved. Yes, there there will be times when the job may not have gotten done the way you would like to have gotten them done. But were they done were they done wrong? Were they done poorly? Maybe not. Or were they just done differently from how you would have done them? Just because they've done differently doesn't mean they're wrong. People learn from mistakes. A good leader doesn't let his followers make big, costly mistakes. But he or she may allow them to make some little ones, but then they're right there to help rectify the error and set things back in order. That's good leadership. Solomon was the king of Israel. Proverbs is his book of leadership wisdom. In Proverbs, he is teaching young potential leaders the wisdom that God gave him as a king. A thorough study of Proverbs provides many insights on how we can learn to make good decisions in leadership. Proverbs sometimes for me is a difficult book because it's just a bunch of random thoughts. But when you really get in there and break it down and look at it, there's so much good stuff in there. In Proverbs, Solomon acknowledges such things as God is greater than the king is. God knows the wisdom of the universe and that all wisdom is found in him. God reveals his wisdom to those who search for it, and that's a big one. How many of us are really searching for God's wisdom? And another thing that Proverbs we see that even the king answers to God. The principles in Proverbs regarding leaders apply to many areas of our life, home, church, work, school, the attitudes and wisdom that made a good king in 1000 B.C., Make a good leader today. Let me give you some examples. I just want to share some verses from Proverbs 
give you some some examples, and, and maybe you guys have more, but here's what. First of all, wisdom. Proverbs 8, verses 14 and 15 say, I, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. Good, strong leaders have God's wisdom. And wisdom is different than just mere knowledge. You may know a lot of stuff, but a wise leader can see further down the road than others. They can look ahead and see potential pitfalls. Another one, another example of leadership that you can learn from Proverbs is integrity. Proverbs 16.12, It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. Personal integrity is demonstrated by who we are and what we do when nobody else is looking. Another one is love. Proverbs 20.28, Mercy and truth preserve the king and his throne is upholden by mercy. How we love is more important than what we know or what we achieve. Good leaders show love and respect those who work for and with them. The way LeBron called out Della Vadova, and I'm not questioning their friendship, their relationship. He may love him. He may care for him, but it didn't show a lot of respect there. A good leader has wisdom. A good leader shows integrity. A good leader loves. A good leader seeks good advisors. Another Proverbs verse, eleven, uh, chapter 11, verse 14, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I like to ask different opinions. I like to get different people's. I'm not saying just because I've asked your opinion, I'm going to do it the way you've told me to do it. Or I'm going to follow you. I'm just asking your opinion. And that's okay, because you know what? If nine out of ten people are saying this is something that's not necessarily right, but it's highly more likely, there's a reason that the majority are saying this. Not always right. Sometimes the minority is right. But every effective leader needs advice and seeks advice. The ability to listen to the advice of others, and that's something that's a quality of a great leader. Let me give you a couple more. Self-control. Proverbs 28.15. As a roaring lion and a raging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor, poor people. The leader who cannot control himself will not be able to command the respect of those he leads. You need some self-control. Another one is compassion. Kind of like love, but a little different. Proverbs 29.14. If a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. I think Jesus is the ultimate model for taking time for the poor, the outcasts, the children, sinners. He was naturally drawn to the weak who needed an advocate. Another example of good leadership from Proverbs, no need for public approval. Don't need to keep going around getting the okay from man. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The greatest freedom is having nothing to prove and no one to impress. Good leaders are more concerned about pleasing God than their popularity with others. The desire for honor among men makes trusting God almost impossible because you're so much looking to impress man. The leader who has his eyes on receiving the praise of men, I don't think they're focused on pleasing God. Two more, and I'm done. moderation. Proverbs 31, verses 4 and 5. 
It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what it has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. The more I study scripture, the more I read the word of God, the more I see that balance is a critical key. To not overindulge really in anything is a good thing. And finally, submission to God. Last verse, Proverbs 21 wants, As the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, he turns it wherever he will. This is the most important characteristic of a good leader. When a man or woman is submissive to God and his Holy Spirit, God will direct the person into the ways he can glorify him best. The Bible contains so many, so many more than what we just talked about here, instructions on good quality leadership, there's more just in the book of Proverbs, not only these we looked at. few things to think about, few things to consider from the book of Proverbs. As you consider the list, though, that we just looked at, I think it's pretty obvious LeBron James could improve his leadership abilities. Certainly he could have in this situation, anyhow. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country, Pest Solution. Hope and inspiration can be hard to find at times. For that reason, God has given us many promises in His Word in which we can cling to. Spencer Traver focuses on several of these promises in his book, 21 Promises Declaring Jesus as Lord. 21 Promises accounts real-life stories to help us recognize God's presence and identify His promises as we endure present times. With the help of Scripture, 21 Promises teaches young and old alike to understand with their minds and believe with their hearts in the unfailing promises of God. 21 Promises Declaring Jesus as Lord by Spencer Traver is available through Amazon and other booksellers or through the website traverbrothers.com. That's traverbrothers.com. Pick up a copy of 21 Promises and enjoy the unfolding of the promises of God as they're displayed in both scripture and real life events. 21 Promises Declaring Jesus as Lord by Spencer Traver. On sale now. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Town & Country has been in business for nearly three successful decades. They know how to get the job done. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown. Well, just about any place that you can pick up this radio station is a place Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country technicians are friendly, professional, and most important, knowledgeable. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't? Call Town & Country. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, you name it. Call Town & Country. Even raccoons and larger animals. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 585-426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Barry Bonds never took steroids. It's a faith-based sports radio program. Don't ruin it by being an idiot. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. Have a high moral standard. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. How silly can you get? You want to heckle blind people? That would make me soil my pants. Dude, wow. 
Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. Beyond the Game, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Fast becoming one of the favorite segments of the show is our shenanigans. Zach gives us a topic. We're going to go around the room and either we're going to agree or call shenanigans on it. Dodgers rookie Ross Stripling was throwing a no-hitter into the eighth inning in his MLB debut last week, but was pulled after 100 pitches. The reliever who replaced him gave up a game-tying homer to the next batter and cost him the win. Truth or shenanigans? Stripling should have been left in the game until he surrendered a hit. I agree. He should have been left in the game. Yes, of course, there's always concern for a pitcher's arm. And you guys know how much I go on about that, but come on, he's at 100 pitches. Somehow, just because it's a nice round number, 100 became this thing. I mean, why isn't it not 99? Why isn't it not 101? It's it's 100. So there's really nothing special about that number, I suppose, over time they've shown it. But there's so many other circumstances to to consider. Odds are, this kid's never going to be in that situation again. Be cautious. But I don't think you need to be so rigid about the number. There's plenty of other circumstances to be considered. Is it cold out? Is it warm out? Are they uh, stressful innings that he's pitched? There's so much more. I think you should have left him in. I say shenanigans. You should have taken him out. I agreed with it. Even though they lost, you still made the right call. He's a young guy. First start of the season. I realize you, you spend all spring training trying to stretch yourself out, get your arm ready. But truth is, most of the time, you're not ready to really throw that many pitches. First start of the season, you have to protect the young arms. Look what happened with, like, let's go back to the Cubs with Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor. Protect your young arms. Absolute right move. I call shenanigans too. It makes me a little nervous that I'm agreeing with Darren, but uh, Stripling's velocity was noticeably down at that point in the game. I believe he's had Tommy John surgery in the past, so I, I agree with the move. I think you've got to keep him healthy. That's more important than letting him try for a no-hitter. Well, if he's had Tommy John surgery once before, why not have it again, man? <laughs> he have was, it again as a pitcher who threw a no-hitter. He did have some stressful innings, though. He walked a number of people that game. NFL draft talk is starting to ramp up as the draft gets closer, and there's speculation that the Bills are heavily interested in some of the top quarterbacks available because of their stalled contract talks with Tyrod Taylor. Truth or shenanigans, the Bills should use a high draft pick on a quarterback. Shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. This is making me angry. The Bills finally find something special at quarterback. For what, the first time since Jim Kelly? And you're you're gonna you're gonna make him angry and go out and try and find a, a quarterback in the draft? No. You have something. Pay the man. Your offense was for the first time in a very long time not the problem. Bills are going all bills. Keep Tyrod Taylor. I absolutely agree. Um, I'm one of the people that think you should draft a quarterback every year because the position is so hard to find. Keep drafting them. Keep trying them out. But high up? Uh, I, I think so because I think you, if this contract talks don't work out, he may need to be your starter in 2017, so draft somebody with some upside. Should the Bills use a high draft pick on a QB? I agree if you mean at some point. But if you mean in this year's draft, then shenanigans. First of all, after that trade, the Rams are going to take the first quarterback available. I don't think that there's really that franchise guy out there. The Rams obviously disagree, and he's definitely not out there where the Bills will be picking. 
The Bills are building the type of offense that can win with a guy like Trent Dilfer as their quarterback. The defense is good. The offense is good. And if they can get Taylor under contract, Bills fans can relish, or I should say if they can't get Taylor under contract, then maybe the Bills fans can relish a reunion with Ryan Fitzpatrick. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather not. The Amish rifle. Browns wide receiver Josh Gordon has reportedly failed yet another drug test while still serving his one-year suspension from the last one. Josh Gordon, truth or shenanigans, has played his last game in the NFL. Uh, I'm not familiar with what the rules say the punishment is going to be for this failure, but I think he's done. So, so I agree. Clearly, football's not as important to him as getting high is. So, who's going to give him millions of dollars to play football when that's clearly not the most important thing to him? I, I think he's done. I say shenanigans, and maybe I'm cynical, but I think as long as a guy's got talent, there's always some short-sighted team who are either so greedy or maybe so desperate that they'll roll the dice and they believe that they're the they're the right group of guys who can get somebody to change their ways. There's always that team seemingly out there. It's always the Dallas Cowboys maybe. But <laughs> the difference between Gordon and a guy like Johnny Manziel is I'm not sure that teams are sold that Manziel has that talent and which would make the risk worth it. But Gordon obviously does. I think somebody eventually gives him a chance. I say shenanigans as well. I mean, Josh Gordon is immensely talented. Someone somewhere is going to get a hold of him. He'll grow up eventually. Um, he's going to, unfortunately, because I don't think he should. I think it's a privilege to play professional sports. But to me, unfortunately, he will get another chance. All right, ESPN ran a story this week about a Detroit Tigers fan who caught five home run balls at a game. Truth or shenanigans, when you go to a game, you purposely try to buy tickets in an area where you might catch a ball. Shenanigans. Not one time have I ever given that a thought. In fact, I despise those guys who go <laughs> knocking people down. for It's it's a ball. You realize you can pick it up in a sporting goods store for eight bucks. <laughs> You're knocking little kids and old ladies over to get to a foul ball. No, I, I couldn't care any less. Um, no, I'm not giving that any thought. Shenanigans as well. I 100 and- 50 billion percent agree with Benson. It's stupid to go after foul balls like that. It's a ball. I don't care about it. I'm there to watch the game and then take that in and enjoy that. Not catch random foul balls. I do not care about them. I call shenanigans as well. I got nothing against it. I would love to catch a, a home run ball someday, but when I buy tickets, I generally try to sit close to a player that I really would like to watch. Um, Sometimes it comes back to bite me. I bought tickets one time to a Nationals game and to sit right next to Bryce Harper. He got ejected in the top of the first for arguing, <laughs> never played the field. But, you know, I still tried to. So th- that's what I think about when I'm buying tickets. There was a game at Yankee Stadium. I can't remember who hit the ball. I won't, Actually, I can. It was Jesse Barfield. This was a towering fly ball. It was, it was a foul ball. I'm walking down the, uh, the aisleway there, whatever you'd want to call it, um, and I'm I'm seeing it, and I've got a buddy on my left and a buddy on my right, and I'm just like, watch this, watch this, here it comes. And I just reached out and grabbed the ball barehanded. <laughs> it was kind of a cool moment. The stadium, they you know, people clapped for me. It was How bad did cool. it hurt? Oh, it hurt so <laughs> bad. <laughs> my hand was the size of a balloon. It was, oh, it hurt so much. I've seen a grown man at a spring training game in the wide world of sports with the Braves dive. 
literally full-out dive for a ball that was hit over the fence, screaming, might I add, coming very fast, dives, catches it, 99% sure it broke his hand because his reaction looked very painful. And he didn't get to keep the ball because he dropped it, and then my buddy picked it up. Yeah, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to cry, but there was a dude on my left, dude on my right, so I couldn't do it that. It had to kill me. One of the other funnier things that I saw, we were at a, my wife and I were at a Yankees game, and Paul O'Neill hit a line drive home run. Dude, and get we're, out of the way. Get we are way. sitting in right field, and he hits his line drive, and everybody kind of ducked except my one friend, and he is that guy. <laughs> he is that guy. Well, he took it right off the head, <laughs> right off the forehead. It bounced off his forehead and into another friend's of mine's lap. This thing swelled up. <laughs> you could read Rawlings across. I mean, you couldn't, but you could see the laces. You could see the imprint of the laces oh, on man. this this bubble that blew on the side of his head. Oh. <laughs> and my other friend that did get the ball. Kept it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he should, too. You think if you take a line drive from Paul O'Neill off the forehead, you should get the ball. He didn't even get the ball. What's worse? Taking a line drive off the forehead like that or bringing your glove to the game as a grown man? Oh, yeah, that's another. Why do you do oh, that? Don't do that, guy. Don't do that. What do you think? You're going to get signed? You're going to get asked <laughs> to play? They're not going to ask you to play. Leave the glove at they home. Yes. I'm taking my glove every time because if the alternative is catching one of those balls barehanded, I'll, I'll use the glove every time. No, I don't get not, hit with listen, one of those. No, I told you man. how bad it hurt. But let me tell you, I toughed it out. And the stadium cheered for me, and my hand was the size of a balloon, so I had that going. And you know what you still had? You still had your pride. You know what you don't have when you bring your glove to a game? Pride. One more shenanigan, Zach. The biggest surprise from week one of the Major League Baseball season is the Cincinnati Reds going 5-2 and and being in second place in the Central. Shenanigans. They're just getting lucky right now. It's an early part of the season. Don't read too much into it. I say shenanigans, too. The biggest surprise is the Baltimore Orioles. They're getting lucky right now too. Everyone's hot at the right time. Yeah, they, they're they're pretty lucky. I I I think I agree with it because we thought the Reds might win five games all year, let alone you know, let alone the first week of the season. But <laughs> they're young, they're they're fun, they're in a really tough division, so it's not going to continue. But you know, shock the heck out of me. So I'll say I agree. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk NHL hockey playoffs. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. I've been telling you about McAfee's Remodeling Company on this show for a long time. They're family-owned and have been in business for nearly two decades. They're great for all your interior and exterior home remodeling needs, but they also do much more. McAfee's Remodeling is now proud to offer Hydro Garden Construction to help you become more self-sufficient by growing food in your own home year-round. And they are now proud to be offering skylights and light tunnel installation. Light tunnels bring more healthy natural light into your home, allowing you to use less artificial light and save on electricity. So give McAfee's Remodeling a call at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Hope and inspiration can be hard to find at times. For that reason, God has given us many promises in His Word in which we can cling to. Spencer Traver focuses on several of these promises in his book, 21 Promises Declaring Jesus as Lord. 
21 Promises accounts real-life stories to help us recognize God's presence and identify His promises as we endure present times. With the help of Scripture, 21 Promises teaches young and old alike to understand with their minds and believe with their hearts in the unfailing promises of God. 21 Promises Declaring Jesus as Lord by Spencer Traver is available through Amazon and other booksellers or through the website traverbrothers.com. That's traverbrothers.com. Pick up a copy of 21 Promises and enjoy the unfolding of the promises of God as they're displayed in both Scripture and real-life events. 21 Promises Declaring Jesus as Lord by Spencer Traver. On sale now. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. One of my favorite tournaments of all the tournaments out there is the hockey playoffs. Oh, mine too. I really get excited about it. I love I love everything about it, the the, the beards, the handshakes. I I love the hockey playoffs. So Zach, I know you're this this is going to be you and I. I think Darren went to a hockey game once, but we really have no proof. <laughs> and he came out of different, a fan of a different team. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In. That's I true. <laughs> you went in. This was in in Anaheim. In Anaheim, I you went, went in, in as Sabres. a Sabres fan, rooting for the Sabres. Yeah, came walked, out wearing a duck. Walked out wearing a duck hat. <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> Let's start in the West, Zach. The Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild. Do you give Minnesota any chance? At all in that series. I didn't give them much of a chance with Zach Parise, but now that it looks like he might miss the postseason, I give them zero shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got Dallas. In f- I figure Minnesota will sneak a game in at home maybe. Mm-hmm. I got Dallas in five games. And Jason Spezza has been carrying Dallas lately. He had a really good season. You you need to just be quiet because you're not <laughs> helping the integrity of the show here. I'm just looking at my app, picking out random names. I think what could be the series out west, one of the best series, could be the St. Louis Blues and the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, yeah. I think that is going to be terrific theater. Yeah, because yeah. it happens every year, and every year the Blackhawks win. Although I, I think this is the year that the Blues knock the Blackhawks out. See, I, I do I say the Blackhawks again, but I think it'll go six or seven games, and I can't decide which, but... Probably seven because I think that'll just be such a great series. Then you got Anaheim, Darren's team. Go Ducks. Can Flying you name feet. one person on the Ducks? Never mind. No, I don't Anah- say Goldberg. <laughs> Anaheim Goldberg. and Na- Averman. <laughs> Anaheim and the Flying V. <laughs> Adam Banks. Against Nashville. Nashville has no shot, right? No shot. No shot at all. I mean, that's almost. Possibly a sweep. I think the Predators are good enough to steal one, maybe two, but the Ducks are, they started out so badly, but once they turned it around, they really turned it around, and they are just so good. Kings and Sharks? Yeah, the Sharks, uh, another team that has pretty much no chance. Yeah, I got, I got the Kings in five. 
Man, you guys aren't giving the sharks enough credit because if they send some blood in the water, they're going <laughs> to swarm. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Good. Well played. Um, let's just continue. So that would set up the, the, the stars and the Blackhawks, which could be more of a, more of a series than, than I, well, than the stars first round. But I think the stars come out of that too, right? Or you have, you would actually have stars against blues. I have stars blues, blues but I, I still think the stars come out of that. Okay. Then we both have Anaheim, LA. Mm-hmm. And I have LA coming out of that. I have the Ducks. Do you really? Okay. So then a Duck Stars series? Yeah. And you have as your Western Conference champion? The Dallas Stars. Okay. See, I have LA playing the Stars and I have LA going on. So you've, okay, okay. we got to I mean, change that. That's there. been the case a lot of times. I can't fault you for picking that. All right, Darren, you want to? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> looking at the East, the Capitals and the Flyers. That's going to be a fun series. The Cap, the Capitals are winning that series. They're just so much better than the Flyers, but they both play that tough physical brand of hockey that I think is going to make it a fun series to watch. And I think they'll go Seth, six I, or seven. I don't. I think it's a sweep, and it could be just because of my how much I loathe the Flyers in all of sports. Even more as a Yankee fan, you know the Red Sox, the rivalry there. There is nobody I loathe more than the Philadelphia Flyers in all of sports. And that's probably as an, as an Islanders fan, you know, the rivalry they had back in the late seventies, early eighties. I, but I think it's just a human being. It's easy to hate the Flyers, <laughs> but I have the Capitals sweeping that series. And then the Penguins Rangers, this one I think is going to be a tremendous series. And I think I probably went with my heart too much because I probably should have picked Pittsburgh to win, but I think the Rangers will win. You picked the Rangers? I did. There's the Rangers are, I would love it because I'm a Ranger fan, but they're not winning the series. McDonough is hurt. The rest of the defense is either bad or rookies. It's just, it's. Yeah, I, it's, I made a homer pick there. I yeah, guess. It, I would love for you to be right, but there's just no way. All right. Florida Panthers, New York Islanders. See, now this is funny. Because I, I picked the Rangers over the Penguins, but yet I didn't pick my Islanders over over the Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to make a run. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. So finally, out uh, in the East, you got Tampa Bay and Detroit, and I've got Tampa Bay moving on. Yeah, I do too. Uh, the Red Wings really don't deserve to be in the playoffs. They backed in because Boston lost on the last day. Uh, you know, good for them, but they're no match for Tampa Bay. Which sets up in all Florida next round, the Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning. I have the Panthers moving on. I do too. Okay. Which kind of surprises me, to be honest. So then you would have Pittsburgh against Washington while I have the Rangers against Washington, but I'm assuming both of us have Washington moving on. Yeah, Washington moves on for sure. Which gives you a Panthers-Capitals series conference final? Yes. And you would go with? The Capitals. All right, so you got Dallas. as much as I don't want them to because I loathe and detest them, but yeah, they're not, so much better than everyone. I know one person who's a Capitals fan, and she bugs me because of it. <laughs> but anyway, that doesn't matter. The Capitals, you have the Capitals and the Stars. I have the Capitals and the Kings. You're who's hosting the Cup? Stars beat the Capitals in six. See, my I've got the Western Conference winning also. But I've got the L.A. Kings as your Stanley Cup champions. Oh, I hope not. I'm so sick of them. We haven't given Darren much to do in this segment because of his vast knowledge of... I've just been playing on my phone. 
What have you been doing? Over, you just like I got very bored with that conversation very quickly. Level five hundred of Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a good time for Darren's unreasonable rant. Now the moment we've all been waiting for. Tom Brady wears Uggs. I have no knowledge of anything. I have no explanation for what happened. The highlight of the show. I'm not going to let our fans down. The reason people tune in week after week. Said no one ever. Darren's Unreasonable Rant. The Black Mamba. Kobe. His final game is the most vintage Kobe game ever. Throughout the course of his career, he took 30,699 shots. Half of those happened against Utah on Wednesday night in route to a 60-point farewell to basketball, and I wouldn't have it any other way, sure. The only person to take more shots that night was Johnny Manziel, and 44% from the field, 29% from three. Don't look good on paper, but did the Lakers win? Yes. Was it Kobe who put a very bad Lakers team on his back and outscored the Jazz all by himself in the fourth? Yes. That's what Kobe has done his entire career. So if you're hating, I don't want to hear it. He's the closest thing to MJ that we're ever going to see. The 43 cups of coffee I needed to stay awake on Thursday were worth it because for one final night, Kobe showed me that killer instinct, that look, the mamba came out. I've been spoiled as a basketball fan, and I'm going to miss seeing him play. Shaq challenged him to get 50. He goes out and scores 60. He's responsible for the team's final 17 points, including a game-winning shot, and goes out his way. How do you not love that? 20 years, 7,101 days in between his first and last shot. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Hashtag Mamba out. You know I'm happy for Kobe. It was his night. I get it. The celebration, all that. But my man threw up 50 shots. He did take Took a lot another of shots. 12 free throws. He <laughs> had 62 tosses towards the rim <laughs> and had 60 points. Yeah, and he did shoot a ton. Listen, I'm all for it. As I tweeted out earlier this week, that's great. It's a great story. It's his night. After the career he's had, he's earned that. But let's slow down just a little bit on I loved it, how though. significant that 60 was because that's well, a whole lot of shots. What was significant to me is in the fourth quarter when he realized the team could win, he went to vintage Kobe. He put the team on his back. He did win that game. Yep, just keep dishing the ball to Kobe. He let outscored him shoot. the Jazz by himself in the fourth quarter. That's he was the impressive. only one shooting. Who cares? You're still hitting <laughs> everything he made. I loved it. You're hating, and I loved it. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. At the conclusion of every show, we go around the room, give you our pest of the week. My pest of the week is NBA Hall of Famer Charles Barkley, who, along with several others, has called on the NBA to move the 2017 All-Star Game to a different location. He wants it pulled away from Charlotte, North Carolina, because of a state law that claims to limits protection for gay, lesbian, and transgender people. No, it doesn't. It's not even about you necessarily. It's about protecting innocent people from potentially dangerous people who will take advantage of any opportunity they are given. Barkley says, as a black person, I'm against any form of discrimination, against whites, Hispanics, gays, lesbians, however you want to phrase it. However you want to phrase what, Charles? Lesbians? It's my <laughs> job, he says, with the position of power that I'm in and being able to be on television, I'm supposed to stand up for the people who, stand, who can't stand up for themselves. Listen, man, 
Your job is to entertain and talk about basketball. I don't object to you offering your political views or social views, but that is not your job. And as a black person, what difference does that make? Why bring race into it anyway? Do you start other statements that way? As a black person, I like Coke more than Pepsi. As a black person, I prefer dogs over cats. As a black person, I think Michael Bublé's music is unlistenable. Charles, as a white person, I too am against any form of discrimination, even against people who just want to go to the bathroom without risk of people of the opposite sex being in the same bathroom. As I've said before, I'm not worried about the few people who may indeed identify. I'm more concerned about opportunists and pranksters who will most certainly twist a newfound freedom in devilish ways. And by the way, if you people who are so obsessed about withholding services based on beliefs, how can you withhold an all-star game event from fans in Charlotte based on your beliefs? People who have worked hard, made plans, invested money. How does it make sense for Bruce Springsteen or Brian Adams to punish their fans who buy their records because of a political or social ideology? Have you gone mad? You should be grateful that people still want to go to your shows so many years after you've had a career. Charles Barkley is my pest of the week, and so is Bruce Springsteen, Brian Adams, and a host of other people tripping over themselves to get a chance to kiss the big bottom of political correctedness. Man, we got, we got Benson fired up this week. It's stupid. It is stupid. Some frost is fanny. Uh, my pest of the week is Father Time because it's undefeated and I don't like what it did to Kobe. Ever since he tore his Achilles, he's not been the same person except for the fourth quarter the other night against the Jazz. That was awesome. Uh, and I just, I don't like what it does to great athletes. So Father Time, my pest of the week. 50 shots and 12 free throws to get <laughs> 60 points. My pest of the week is Kobe Bryant. Uh, oh, whoa! Nothing, nothing personal against him, just because his going away party completely stole the spotlight from the Warriors winning a seventy-third oh, game. It did. Like that deserves all the hoopla that Kobe's getting, and it's kind of like a deserves a, more. It's kind of like in the background, like Kobe scored sixty. Oh, and the Warriors won again. You know, like it, it, it's a well, but. The Warriors winning has gotten kind of oh we're, we expect it we've yeah. come but that's it, a remarkable what? feat. Yes. It's one that it took twenty years we, for someone to do it. You we know? discussed it here when they were ten or twelve wins into the season. Mm-hmm. I think they were sitting there at undefeated, and we started talking about would they do it. And I I honestly said I didn't think so. It's so those are so few losses over so many games mm-hmm. where so many things can happen an injury or or whatever, but. Yeah, seventy three wins. That's that's a feat to be. Steve Kerr was there for both of those records. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game's been brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions, Solutions dot com, or feel free to give them a call five eight five four two six five zero two four. Tell them Benson and the guys sent you. Thanks for joining us for Zach, for Darren. I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back again together next week, right here at the same time. Have a great week, everybody. Go out and do something nice for somebody you don't even know. 